Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Episode 116, Plain Revelation, Chapter 8. The seventh seal is broken. Let God's wrath begin. As I discussed at the beginning of this special series on the book of Revelation, it's not best to try to do a hard chronology press on John's writing. Rather, give attention to the content. This entire vision came to John in one setting on the Lord's Day, and he was writing down what he was seeing. Here in chapter 8, we now come to the beginning of the pouring out of God's wrath on the fallen, lost people. I think the Geneva Study Bible is accurate in its assessment of the relationship between the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls of God's wrath. The author writes, The main portion of this book, chapters 4, verse 1 through chapter 22, verse 5, consists of seven cycles of judgments, each of which leads to description of the second coming. A final eighth portion presents the supreme vision of the New Jerusalem. That's found in chapter 21, verse 1 through chapter 22, verse 5. Each cycle is best understood as depicting the same spiritual war, but from a fresh vantage point. Later cycles concentrate more and more on the most intense phase of the conflict and the second coming itself. I'll include the verse divisional breakdown in the show notes. Starting in Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, we see the supreme importance of the prayers of all the saints in all of this. Starting here in chapter 8, it says, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand in the presence of God. Seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel with a golden incense burner came and stood at the altar. He was given a large amount of incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up in the presence of God from the angel's hand. The phrase the saints here literally means the holy ones. Notice the prayers of the saints are injected after the chilling silence in heaven and before the deafening thunder of judgment on earth. The prayers are offered in the incense by the golden censer, which is a bowl in which the incense was burned, on the golden altar before the throne of God. The prayers of the saints are not only supremely important and have first place before the presence of Almighty God, but they are also supernaturally energized. Notice the angel who is given the golden incense burner. Not one of the seven angels who have the seven trumpets, but another, like the seven, who offers heavenly assistance by raising up the smoke with his hand in the presence of God. At the altar of incense, Christ's person and work are present, seen in the coals, which are a manifestation of Christ's sacrificial work of atonement. The earthly type was manifested in the brazen altar, or the bronze altar, representing sacrifice and judgment, a key element of the tabernacle in the wilderness, a place where the ancient Israelites sacrificed animals to atone for their sins. Christ is our sacrifice who was judged for us. Christ's person, through his holy character, provides bold, direct, representative access to God. The glorious combination of Christ's sacrifice and holiness supernaturally energizes the saints' prayers and makes them acceptable to God. Friend, when you and I pray, we set a supernatural process in motion. Always remember this. 
Sometimes I know we all feel that our prayers are just hollow words bouncing off the ceiling, yet every sincere prayer is taken directly before the God of the universe, and He does answer every prayer. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been intentionally hurt by a mean, sadistic parent, spouse, boss, work associate, neighbor, stranger, and cried out to God to do something about it, and yet it seems that God does nothing and just lets that mean, hateful, hurtful, life-damaging, sometimes life-ending person go unpunished? Friend, God ain't letting anything go. When my youngest son was in high school, the mother of the girl he was dating at the time had a best friend whose daughter was brutally murdered in a total random act of hideous violence. She was a beautiful college student on her way to see her boyfriend who was studying late that night. He asked her to stop by the store and get him some chips and soft drink on her way over. The security camera in the convenience store recorded the girl. She went in the door, turned left to go to the restroom. Coming out of the restroom, she was confronted by a man who had been loitering in the convenience store, unchecked by the employees for about 40 minutes. He asked her if she could take him to a vehicle that was broken down. She said no. She bought the snacks, headed out the door, and the man followed her out the door. Somehow, he managed to kidnap her in her own car, rape and murder her, then go by a friend's apartment to borrow some money and a gas can. The friend followed the murderer out to the car and saw the girl's body in the back seat and did nothing. Then the rapist murderer stopped by the convenience store to put about a buck fifty worth of gas in the can, then drove to a bank drive through area, pulled her body out of the car and into a ditch, and burnt the girl to ashes. In the trial, the man said the girl wanted the sex. In addition to the hideous crime, the mother of the murdered girl had to sit and listen to that evil man claim it was the girl's fault. Friend, in the end, God is going to settle the score. Our prayers are supremely important to God. They are supernaturally energized and they are soberly efficacious. Efficacious means successful in producing a desired or intended result, effective. Someone has correctly said that more powerful than anything else is the power of prayer set ablaze by the fire of God and cast upon the earth. As a saint of God, your permanent bond to the person and work of Jesus Christ ushers your prayer into the presence of God where it is heard and answered. Since the fall of the first man, and after the thousands of years of man's rebellion against and rejection of God's grace, mercy, and outstretched arm of salvation, the wrath of God finally comes, and friend, it is all-encompassing, incessant, and unavoidable wrath. Notice the access and judgment flow from the throne. In verse 5, it says, The angel took the incense burner, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it to the earth. There were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Verse 6 says, And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The prayers of all the saints reach God, and the prayers invoke judgment seen in the thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Real divine judgment at last. The first four trumpets' judgments seen and heard here in chapter 8 unleash direct hits to the natural world, and the last three to come are direct hits to man. The direct hits to the natural world come from the heavenlies, once a display of God's grace to man, now a device of God's judgment. The first trumpet in verse 7, the first angel blew his trumpet and hail and fire mixed with blood were hurled to the earth. So a third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all the green grass was burned up. So the vegetation is struck, the method, hail, fire, blood, result, one third of the earth destroyed. The second trumpet, verse 8, 
The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain ablaze with fire was hurled into the sea. So a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The oceans, the salt waters, are struck. Method, like a great burning mountain, most likely a large asteroid, like the one Hollywood just seems to relish the thought of. But folks, this time there will be no Bruce Willis or Will Smith to stop the assault. The result, one-third of all oceans and ships destroyed. The third trumpet, verse 10. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star blazing like a torch fell from heaven. It fell on a third of the rivers and springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. So many of the people died from the waters because they had been made bitter. Folks, fresh water is hit. Fresh water is a necessity for the sustenance of man and mankind. But fresh water is going to be hit, and one-third of all fresh water is going away. It's going to become bitter. The method, a falling star. Result, one-third of fresh water is poisoned, and many people die. The fourth trumpet, verse 12. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. Heavenly bodies are the target for God's wrath with the fourth trumpet blast. Method, a divine blow, strike. Result, in the Greek language, it is written emphatically that one-third of all light is extinguished. We can't even begin to imagine the terror that will strike people's hearts and minds when the earth light is turned off by 30%. Horrifying. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, that the powers of heaven will be shaken. It means literally caused to move to and fro. Think about it, friend. The heavenly bodies, the stars and the planets, Orion's belt and the Big Dipper, all in their places, Static throughout all time since they were placed there by the Creator God's hand, now coming unhinged from their place settings and being thrown down, blasted from the sky. Would you say that God is pretty angered by the sinful rebellion of wayward, lost, hateful, evil man? I would say that He is righteously indignant and justice is in His hand. When it appears that there is nothing left to unbolt, tear down, and destroy, There is a voice in heaven that cries out to all mankind who are on the earth. In verse 13, it says, I looked and heard an eagle flying high overhead, crying out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who live on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blast that the three angels are about to sound. Friend, against this backdrop of horrendous righteous judgment from our holy God who will one day finally have his fill, I think about all the nonsense discussions about global warming climate change, and aliens. If people only cared to know, they would see how the world ends. And it's not at the hands of wicked, fallen, hurtful, hateful man, but at the hands of our holy God who has had enough. The day will come when God's mercy and grace will run out. And now all the admissions from our government about all these unexplained UFOs and the questions about aliens. If our scientific geniuses would just read the Bible, they would understand there are a bunch of extraterrestrials out there and down here. In this book alone, we see the introduction of several different life forms that God will use to impart His judgment on man. But for the wicked who choose to live their lives apart from the wisdom and knowledge of God, they live in perplexity and ignorance, always learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And in the end, it will cost them everything, including their condemned souls. Friend, I'll say it again. If you know God 
and you have a salvation in Jesus Christ, you have nothing to fear from God's judgment because it is judgment on the ungodly, the not saints. Psalm 46 speaks of God as our refuge. Let these words encourage you today. We've talked about a lot of serious things, things to come, but not to those who know God. God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid. Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the seas, though its water roars and foams and the mountains quake with its turmoil, Selah. There is a river, its streams to light the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is within her. She will not be toppled. God will help her when the morning dawns. Nations rage, kingdoms topple, the earth melts when he lifts his voice. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. Come, see the works of the Lord, who brings devastation on the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. Stop fighting and know that I am God, exalted among the nations, exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold, Selah. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.